Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Next week will be our uh, last in this series uh, that we have been in for, well, by then it will be 19 weeks, not 19 straight weeks, but uh, we've had 19 messages from this, uh, at least for me, has been a wonderful uh, study. I've, I've learned a great deal as we've gone through this. John Wesley was a great Christian leader in England. He traveled 250 miles, they estimate, a day for 40 years. Now, that's horseback. Preached 40,000 sermons. Produced 400 books, knew 10 languages, but he got annoyed when he was 83 years old because he couldn't write for more than 15 hours a day without hurting his eyes. At 86, he was ashamed he couldn't preach more than twice a day. He complained in his diary that there was an increasing tendency to lie in bed until 5.30 a.m. Now, he had an uncommon gift. I think we know that. What he contributed to the church of Jesus Christ. There are few that had the physical endurance that he had and the spiritual endurance as well. And yet, we are called to not just a, a, a physical vigor because we can only control so much of that, but certainly a spiritual vigor. It's a part of our calling. John Piper, in talking about retirement, says this, How many Christians set their sights on a Sabbath evening of life? Resting, playing, traveling, etc. The world's substitute for heaven, since the world does not believe there will be a heaven beyond the grave. What a strange reward for a Christian to set his sights on. I agree with him. There is more than many are experiencing. And Solomon believed that as well. We are in the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes. Remember, he says, also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, to which you will say, I have no pleasure in them before the, the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain and the day uh, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in their way. 
the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and the desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, what a dramatic description of parts of our life. Lord, will you, by your Spirit, apply your word to our lives, to our hearts? That is our great need of this moment, and we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Where do I see that in there? That Solomon thinks there is more. I'm convinced he begins by telling those who would hear that we are to act decisively towards God. Where do we see it? Verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, a lot of times the way passages work and certainly the way sermons often work is that there will be an argument built up through the passage and then there's an application. And that's a very typical way of preaching a sermon as well. You build an argument with an outline and various points and then you get to the application. Well, there will always be that, but here what he does is he starts, I'm convinced, with the application. He wants people to act decisively towards God, and then he tells why. Now, where do we see that about acting decisively towards God? One word in there. Remember. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Now, how, how is that talking about our acting in any way, much less decisively? Well, one Hebrew scholar says that to remember him is no perfunctory or purely mental act. It is to drop our pretense of self-sufficiency and to commit ourselves to him. So it's not just a matter of saying, oh yeah, I remember, but rather it is thinking on, concentrating, focusing upon who he is, our creator. Now, our tendency is to say, yes, I, I recognize that I'm not self-sufficient. Okay, I want to commit, just not yet. I, I'll, I'll do it later on, after I've, for some, after I've had my fun. 
After I've done the things I really want to do, then I will commit, because I believe there's a God. And he says, no. That is not our calling. Those things that some have called fun, having my fun, he has told us throughout this book, I've tried those and I've found them to be empty. And now he's bringing us to the end of the book. And he's saying, look, it's time. You don't need to go through that. And notice, he's not, he's not talking to old, older folks here at the beginning, but he's saying, do it when you're young. Don't wait, because I need to tell you what's coming. And that's when he gives this rather vivid description of aging. If you read this, it's, it's great. Now, he's not one to uh, pull punches. He hasn't. Uh, but, you know, there's a sense that he, he becomes a little politically correct here. He's not just saying, look, you old folks, you know, you're falling apart and so on. Instead, he uses an illustration, kind of an ongoing illustration, and uh, he, he used the allegory of a house uh, to describe aging. I remember when my mother, who is now 94 years old, once said, you know, I was fine till I was 75. I, at 76, I started falling apart. And here she is at, you know, 94 not having fallen apart yet. Well, let's take a look at uh, what Solomon says first about some of the mental effects of aging. Uh, Verse 2, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Now, again, remember, this is Solomon. This isn't me. I'm not saying this about anybody or anyone in terms of aging, and uh, but you know, I know I feel this in terms of sharpness of mind. I don't think anybody my age or up would say that you can memorize things as well as you could when you were a little kid. That's one reason we work, work on scripture memory with little children, because then maybe when we're old, you know, it'll come back to us. And it's true. But if you try to memorize things when, um, you know, you're my age and up, it's harder. It's not impossible, but it gets harder. Remembering things, remembering names and, and so on. He's saying, look, that can lead to discouragement. Even, I'm convinced he's saying depression when he talks about that, the, the clouds returning after the rain. And then he moves on and talks about some of the physical effects of aging. Verse 3, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent. Heads, hands, voices tremble. Some some commentators say it's talking about legs and, and posture being bent as well. Now look, I know you're the exception. This doesn't happen to everyone. 
I remember when uh, I was in Georgia and I used to run a road race in Peachtree City every year. And uh, one particular year I was uh, running and they had this kind of neat thing where about a uh, half mile before the finish line they'd have a spotter with a walkie-talkie who would uh, see your number and about one out of ten runners they would radio ahead and they would look up your name and where you're from and they'd announce you as you cross the finish line. It was kind of a neat thing. Well, one year uh, I'm getting ready to cross the finish line and uh, they announce over the loudspeaker there's Dale Weldon from Fayetteville. Now, I came this close to kind of raising my hands, you know, <laughs> as I went across the line. But I was so glad I didn't because in the very same breath, this was the rest of what he said. There's Dale Weldon from Fayetteville. And right next to him is our 75-year-old master's division winner. <laughs> and they announced his name. I was like in my 30s at the time. There are exceptions to these rules. And I know you are that exception. But let's go on. It says... Uh, uh, this, I love this next phrase, and the grinders cease because they are few. One of our dentists today said uh, you could call that malocclusion. <laughs> we usually say the uppers don't meet the lowers anymore. You know, it's where your, your teeth start disappearing. Now, here in the U.S., we have, uh, we have good dental care relatively speaking, to other parts of the world. But if you go in other parts of the world, you will see the older folks, few of them have many teeth left. And that's, that's what he's saying. It becomes obvious. And then he says, and those who look through the windows are dimmed. You don't see as well as you used to. I've been to the eye doctor four times in the last four weeks, okay? You, you know what it's like. And the doors, verse... Uh, and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. You can't hear like you could. That's just part of what happened. By the way, we do here have hearing assistance. You, you tell an usher when you walk in, if you have a hard time hearing, there is no reason except lack of humility, maybe, <laughs> that uh, you can't hear everything that goes on uh, you just put that in your ear and you will hear everything right through this microphone. And there's another advantage to that. Somebody literally last Sunday went out and said, I heard, I heard everything. These are great. And he said, you know, the really great thing is that when I disagree with you, I can just turn you down. So if you have problems with hearing, we have a, a way to address that. And then he says, and one rises up at the sound of a bird. In other words, you don't sleep as soundly as you used to. You just hear something, you, you know, you don't get, it's hard to get a good night's sleep. And all the daughters of song are brought low. They are, they're again, the, the hearing. 
and they are afraid also of what is high, more fearful of things. You know, things that didn't bother you when you were younger bother you, maybe driving at night even or, or things like that. You know, my, my dad is with the Lord, but before he died, he got to the point where he could go clear around our town without ever turning left across traffic. Well, he never would have done that when he was younger. That was, that was a concern and a, a fear of his, and that's what it's saying. The, the terrors are that way, and the almond tree blossoms. I, I had to look that one up. I, it didn't make sense, but they, they say that, I've never seen an almond tree, but they say when it's blossoming, it turns white. And so that's the picture here. They would have known that here um, about <laughs> hair turning white, gray hair. The grasshopper drags itself along. Now, if that's not a vivid picture, you know, <laughs> we still see ourselves as grasshoppers, you know. We remember that day when we were able to hop in a perky way, and now we're dragging ourselves along. And where, and desire fails. I'm just going to let you draw your own conclusions on that one. <laughs> Now, what, what does all this, what's all of it mean? Uh, Solomon goes on to talk about what these things should remind us of. And that is basically that death is unavoidable. Now, remember, he started out, he's talking to young people. He's not just saying, you old people, look, this is what's happening to you. What would be the point of that? But he's saying, you know what, look, this is coming for some of you. But death is unavoidable. Verse 5 through 7, I, I read those earlier. Because man is going to his eternal home, the mourners go about the streets. And then he says, before the silver cord is snapped. So he's saying, there's something I want you to do, and it's not for after you die. It's for now. Because there will come a point where the silver cord is snapped, the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Now, does that make for you the clouds move in to hear that? Does it give you a sense of dread? If it does then you're missing Solomon's point. He's very realistic, but his application is, look, these things are happening. You are moving toward death because you are human. If you don't believe it, just look at your body. But because of that, don't get depressed. Instead, back to verse 1, the application. Act decisively toward God. And then in verse 6, he says, before the cord is broken and so on. Do it now. Don't stop until the Lord stops you. Sadly, I see far too many just waiting it out. 
far too many who retire from work and all but pull out of the Lord's work as well. Who quit teaching Sunday school. And you know what? These could be your most effective years. You know more now than you did when you were younger and you were teaching. Some who quit working with children. Uh, we'll let the younger ones do it. You know what? Children love the older folks. They love parents and grandparents and great-grandparents' age. Quit working in the nursery. To me, that, those things are just sad. And yet, I rejoice to tell you that I also see some who are experiencing their most effective and most productive years for the Lord in their later years. And that's how it's supposed to be. That's how he made us. And that's what Solomon is bringing out here. I mentioned up front John Wesley. Well, let me mention some more up-to-date situations. In our focus area, uh, one of our focus areas, which is England, you can go to London and you can meet Ralph and Sylvia Hill. They're from Chattanooga. He's a retired judge. Sylvia is retired also from working all her life. They have children and grandchildren in that area. When they decided to go to the mission field and to England, you know who they had to answer to? Their children. <laughs> you know, usually it's the, you know, the children saying, trying to break it to their parents. Well, this was the other way around. The children saying, but we're here and the grandkids... I loved Sylvia's answer to her children because they were concerned about their health and so on, which they're in good health at this point. But they were concerned for them. And she said, you know what? We can go to heaven from England as easily as we can go from here. What a great attitude. You know, they have, they have resources where they could have been uh, doing lots of things for themselves, but instead, Ralph is assisting young, a young pastor there. They are bold witnesses for the Lord. There's a couple in another church right here in Irmo, the Corleys. Our daughter Rachel and husband Seth work with their daughter and son-in-law in Turkey. Corleys are headed to Turkey to serve in a church there because some of the leadership is, is away. He's at least 80. They are going back again as they have been many times. On my last Sunday in Atlanta before I came here, I commissioned a woman in the church named Charlotte Ray. She was going to South America she would be living on a boat, floating on the Amazon River, getting off to teach lessons to various tribes and villages along the river. Here's the amazing thing, though. 
as I commissioned her, what an encouragement it was to me because Charlotte was in her mid-80s at the time. Taking her first mission trip. I got a card from her in this last year. She was going back on the same trip. Now look, I know not all of you can be doing that. But some of you are in good health. You're financially able. And you should ask God if he would have you step out in faith. Some of you should be talking to our children's directors because you're needed and you can help. There's another area where we need all of you at every age, and that's being useful in prayer. In a church I served in Pennsylvania, I went to visit one of the older ladies in the church. She's now with the Lord. Her name was Mona Bailey. And she said, Pastor, I want to show you something. And she pulled out this big red book. It was thick. Looked huge on her lap. She said, I pray around the world every day before it gets light. And she proceeded to show pictures of missionaries all over the world that she was praying for. You know what was on the front page, the very first page when she opened it up? It had a picture of the former pastor, the one I followed, and of me and of Jerry Falwell. <laughs> that to her, that was, that was the big three to her. We just lost from our church another prayer warrior at almost age 101. Min Pal, tiny little thing, not able to stand for some time. When I first came here, she was able to get around with a walker. Just a tiny little thing, but she was a giant in prayer. Her grandchildren would call their parents and they would ask for some prayer, and they would say, we need you to tell Grandma we need her to pray. We need the big gun. Tiny little thing that was the big gun of prayer. She's gone now. Some of you need to step up. It's time. You know, if it weren't for the retired folks in our congregation, we wouldn't be able to staff school time Bible ministering to 95 children right across the street. They come over here every week this fall. We have others that are not retired, but much of our staff is. What will it be for you? You know, we hear about that term, the bucket list. Unfortunately, the way of the world, the bucket list is, these are the things... I want to do an experience before I die. You know, I need to have this fun or, or have this experience. It's almost as if there was no heaven and something greater coming. You know what I've begun praying? That God would give 
the members of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church a bucket list, but he would help us to develop a different kind of bucket list. I'm asking God to enable us to do some things before we go to heaven that we haven't done yet or need to do again. In your bucket list, be a bolder witness for Christ. For some of you, it would be to lead a person to Christ. To bring that neighbor to church who doesn't know Christ. To go on a mission trip or to go on another one. To learn to give joyfully and sacrificially. I want us to be known as a church full of people that are finishing strong. May God help us to act decisively for the Lord while we are able. Let's bow together. Father, I I dare say that the application for this message is different for everyone in here. But Lord, I would ask that you would prompt us not just to be convicted of something or not just to feel guilty. That's not what this is about. But to be prompted to follow your calling with joy. Whatever that is, Lord, every single one of us can become that prayer warrior. Many, Lord, can serve in this church And some can go across the seas and serve your church there as well. What will it be, Lord? Will you help us to know? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.